0: And the fascinating history of scandals and secrets at Mar-a-Lago predate Donald Trump's activities on the, state, on the estate by a century. And the property's controversial life story is populated by an amazing cast of characters. Mary C. Um, Shanklin tells the story of the 100-year rise, fall, and resurrection of Mar-a-Lago in her new book, American Castle, 100 Years of Mar-a-Lago. It's published by Diversion Books and brings Mary C. Shanklin to our show now. Welcome. Thank you, Leonard. It's a pleasure to be here. Wasn't the estate constructed by the socialite heiress Marjorie Merriweather Post?
1: Um, Together with the um, famous um, investment banker, E.F. Hutton, who was her husband at the time, who interestingly, um, if you, you look at the documents, even though it was her money from the post, um, foundation, you know, we've all eaten post cereals at some time in our lives. Well, it's now called probably- General Foods. <laughs> exactly. Um, right. With the, um, the um, financial acumen of EF Hutton um, realizing, you know, we can do some economies of scale with post cereals and um, do a lot of acquisitions, Maxwell House, um, Bird's Eye cereal and turn it into, um, as you so well know, um, general foods. But yes, initially, um, it actually, according to documents, was titled to um, EF Hutton.
0: Well, did it really all begin when the Spanish flu took the life of Blanche Hutton?
1: Oh my gosh, I love it that you know this. The the seeds of um, of this everything that we're seeing today in at Mar-a-Lago, um, you know, the campaigning, um, the searches, the arrests, um, you know, the the um, questionable evaluations of the property. All of that, if you trace it way back, it does have its origins, um, to some extent, perhaps a little loosely, um, with the, the Spanish influenza there in the streets of, of New York, where mm-hmm. it was, um, E.F. Hutton's wife, Blanche, who suddenly came down with, um, you know, something s- similar to what you know, we, we saw as the first strains of the COVID virus mm-hmm. and, you know, really, you know, seemed like a flu and, and, and quickly took her out.
0: And then, so now the widower met uh, Marjorie Merriweather. She was um, still in her twenties, right? Uh, she'd still- inherit. she'd inherited the company they met on Valentine's Day evening, nineteen twenty, at a party.
1: Right, and um, important to note, Leonard. Um, she, you know, she she was divorced at the time. i hmm. um, pretty freshly divorced. She had married a um, Greenwich, um, Connecticut attorney, um, Edward Close, who, interestingly. Um, the actors that we know of as Glenn Close um, was a, a descendant of, but um, but that that's another story. Mm-hmm. But um, Mar- Marjorie um, she met E.F. Hutton there um, right about that time. You know he um, had really was just months away after um, burying his his wife, and um, there they um, they. Um kind of united um at in in palm beach it was on on a houseboat he had rented the dorinda
0: and how how long afterward did they wind up getting married
1: um do you know um, pretty, pretty quickly by today's standards. I think it was a different era when, you know, people were coming back from the war and, um, wounded soldiers. And, um, I think things, um, sped along at a different clip than, than they do today. So, um, really it was just a matter of, of months. And, um, you know, I'm sure he realized, um, you know, that, um, her attributes and values and, and And he brought a lot to the table as well,
0: and they were they met in Florida, even though I guess both of them were originally new yorkers right
1: right and I'm sure in the social circles that um you know they had perhaps been introduced you know you know had had been in in at some of the same events um but it was in florida um, they're um you know off the shores of palm beach where um their their romance um you know really quickly
0: took off how soon after they married did they build mar-a-lago
1: it was um, it wasn't immediately and and actually they built a um what we might think of as, you know, a more normal type of winter home. It was two stories on the golf course. Um, but, but you know, Leonard, it just wasn't quite enough, um, to have the cachet that you would need in, in Palm Beach. And so, um, you know, they had a growing family at that time. She had, um, three children, um, daughters from, uh, uh, her previous marriage. And, um, they were, you know, then they, they had their own child, um, who had become the famous actress, um, Dina Merrill. Mm. But, um, they, so they built this, um, you know, it was called Hogar Cida. And I think it, you know, basically was considered this cute, charming place. And so then they went about, you know, we've got to make a statement. Um, we have to mm. do something that is the antithesis of, of cute and, and charming.
0: And so they built this 118-room mansion. It cost $3 million to build, took three years from 1924 to 27, to complete. How much would that be in 2023 dollars?
1: Oh, it makes my head spin. But but it is a a very interesting question, especially as we look at these questionable values. Um, You know, of course, the real value is in the underlying property. Um, and, and there are so many things about Mar-a-Lago you could never recreate now with, with craftsmen spending years, mm. um, sculpting, um, birds and gulls and monkeys and, and, and all through the, the loggia and the, um, the thousand wing ceiling. And, um, you know, to, to really put a number on how much it would cost today, you know, you would have to take in consideration if you could ever even find um craftsmen to that extent. But, you know, I mean, just to find that kind of property, seventeen acres stretching from the Atlantic Ocean to the intercoastal waterway, um, in, in the midst of a lot of wealth, um, you know, I feel like that could, you know, pretty easily command um, you know, a hundred million dollars If, if, you know, if there weren't any constraints on it, which there were, and and we can certainly get into that. Well, the area is
0: is uh, hurricane prone. In fact, the most (laughs) hurricane prone land in the continental U.S., uh, a nearby 17 acre structure was seriously damaged by the 1928 Okie Chernobyl hurricane, which killed 25 people. Not surprisingly, many of them black laborers who have been brought in to build and maintain the new estates, but, right. but Lago um, wasn't was undamaged,
1: yeah, it was undamaged and and I will say um you know the the the, the stones the the walls of that it it is like a fortress and to to think of um anything being constructed to those standards. Even though certainly South Florida um, has been subject to some some pretty shoddy um, um, building um, codes in, in the past, and you know they've had to kind of get their act together. But but at that time, um, Marjorie Mary Weather Post really was sparing no cost in in um, not just the look of it, but but also um, you know fortifying it. And and I think part of it might have been seeing those hurricanes that were, were coming as it was, you know, you know, as they were getting ready to build that, you know, she understood that it was, you know, in a a risky location and they needed to um, take that into consideration.
0: And then the depression hit the great depression, were they relatively unhurt because of the, the businesses they were in?
1: Yeah, I think, um, for the most part, you know, if you look at that time, E.E.F. Hutton really was, you know, he was, you know, really building General Foods and, you know, going public and, um, you know, people still needed, um, you know, they could go without a lot of things, but, um, they still needed, you know, food and, um, you know, all the, the things that General Foods could deliver. So they were in a little better position. Um, there is an old saying about Palm Beach that, um, you know, when depressions hit that, um, the, that, the, the wealthy people of Palm Beach, it, it's not their, um, their, their first, um, financing that, um, is hurt, but it's, it's the interest off of the interest. So you're a little bit protected, but um we we did see um you know at, at least one other a a much more significant estate than Maralago um you know the financial underpinnings came out from under that beginning with the depression so um they they were somewhat uh, immune compared to at least one of their neighbors
0: why was it named maralago which is isn't it spanish for cedar lake is is it, is that where it's located between yes, the um,
1: yeah, that's right. And so, um, it's a portion, it rests the, the, the back of it, um, the swimming pool and, and, um, the helicopter pad now, um, all of that, um, backs up to a portion of the intercoastal waterway, um, that's called Lake Worth. Um, it's a little bit wider at that point, which is why maybe they, they call it, um, Lake, mm-hmm. um, and and there is a a, a community um, of the same name near nearby, but um, but that was the idea to capture in its name um, this this essence of um, you know water to water and you know the ocean to to the intercoastal waterway and you know by its very name it, it's just impressive.
0: But even, as I said earlier, the area was hurricane prone. The most in the continental U.S. Why was did so many people want to build there? Their property was quite expensive at the time. Didn't it cost four million dollars, which would be sixty eight million dollars today?
1: Yes, um, I. Uh, that's probably a pretty good estimate. You know, I, I think you just have to look at um, you know the the winters in the north, and mm-hmm. and people wanted to escape that at that time, and and that's before that was- the north
0: became warm. Um, That's been recently, right? Back in the days before global
1: warming, <laughs> when um, you know, you you, it really was, um, you know, you know, more frigid than, than it is now. But you know, when you think about it, at that time, um, it was just opening up with Henry Flagler was building, you know, this railroad down there, and you know, there there, we didn't even have commercial flights, um, you know, certainly, you know, not like we do today, um, and and so. Um, you know, it kind of became a place, you know, it wasn't as easy, um, getting or, or quick to get to say Europe, but, um, you know, Florida was a place that you could get to and, um, you know, just, you know, seek some, some shelter from, from those winters
0: as it is still, um, to today. My guest is Mary C. Shanklin who's written a book called American Castle, 100 Years of Mar-a-Lago, published by, what is it, Diversion Books? That's right.
1: Yeah. And
0: this is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. When when Marjorie became the head of General Foods uh, in 1936, didn't she become one of the first women to command a global corporation? Um, yes. Did that affect um, I, their marriage?
1: You know, that's a good question um, because it it wasn't. Um, you know, it was around that time. E. F. Hutton became kind of known as as a little bit of a player, mm-hmm. and um, weren't you know, they she, both
0: fooling around a bit? <laughs> well, I can't speak for her. Um,
1: she did and it, it may very well be. Um they both um remarried really on the on the heels of, of their divorce. Mm-hmm. But I, I do want to note that um Marjorie Meriwether Post um she you know she, she she got a position that few other women did at the time, but she was more than just you know, dressing at, at the head of, of the table, she, she really was the one she's credited with, um, with saying, you know, we need an acquisition of bird's eye. And it was, mm-hmm. it was before anybody really realized, you know, what frozen foods would become to, um, to America. And, and so she, she did, um, you know, she did do something to, to raise, um, you know, raised the asset portfolio of, of that conglomerate.
0: You've included some photos in the book, so we get a sense of what she looked like. She was an attractive woman, rich and attractive.
1: Yes, um, you know, these, you know, kind of chiseled um, looks, draped herself, as you can imagine, in, um, you know, not just um, fashion, but more importantly, um, you know, exquisite jewels, Um, there's this great, um, like, you know, when you're in Mar-a-Lago, um, you go into, um, you go through, um, this, um, reception hall that's all, um, got all these Spanish lanterns. And Lady Bird Johnson said when she was in there, her eyes, um, crawled like crabs, um, taking in everything. There's so much to look at. So unlike what we see today, which is, you know, clean lines and, um, you know, open spaces and, you know, just it, you know, more of a, a Victorian holdover. So you go from there into the big living room, um, you know, which is famous for this gold plated ceiling um gold leaf ceiling and then you go and there's like this little side room um that that it's kind of a men's parlor it looks like a place where you would maybe smoke cigars or something and so on the wall and there's this um beautiful museum quality painting of marjorie merriweather post Hmm. um you know really looking regal and and then juxtaposed next to it is a um uh, a painting of Donald Trump. Um, and he's actually wearing like this, um, kind of, um, tennis sweater and, um, it's got this kind of airbrushed quality to it. And it's, it's so funny when you bring up, you know, what an attractive woman it is. You know, you can go through Mar-a-Lago today and, and, and see that, um, with that portrait. And, and then, um, you know, see um, then, you know, the, the current owner with, um, you know, a, a different style of a painting, you so, might say.
0: So why did she not want to stay there? After World War II, she relocated to Hillwood, her Washington, D.C. mansion, and none of her children took an interest in Mar-a-Lago. Oh.
1: Right. Um, she was married to the... Um, to Joseph E. Davies.
0: They, they, they'd already had a divorce. When did they divorce?
1: Okay. Um, let's see. They divorced. Each one of the husbands lasted about 15 years with Mm. the exception of the last one. And I think it was, they married in about 35. So I'm thinking that. It was probably in the late 40s mm-hmm. when when they divorced. So at that time, um, also Leonard, we have to think about what's very important is that um, when when people are really wealthy um, at that level, they don't just have one other residence mm. um they they have several and um they had she had given EF Hutton and then she and Joseph Davies had used it um that amazing yacht the, the largest of its kind um the the Hussar um so you know you know all of a sudden you can travel the world mm-hmm. and um there was um they she had an upper state New York um, one, it was originally called Hut Ridge for E.F. Hutton, and then, um, after they divorced, renamed Top Ridge. And, and that interestingly, um, was purchased by Harlan Crowe and became the place where, um, Clarence Thomas, um, would,
0: would vacation. Oh boy.
1: Yeah. So, um, so, you know, they, she owned so many then, dark
0: characters in this story.
1: <laughs> so, um, and then in addition to that, most importantly um because of joseph davies um she her life really began to center around washington d mm. c and um she, you know so she she purchased a, a house there um that's that's called hillwood mm. um and and still stands and and has its own uses but so um she had these competing properties um different interests and um you know, she 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 didn't. Mar a Lago was dark for a lot of years, and it is interesting. You know, we we think of Mar a Lago as you know Donald Trump's is it's it's unparalleled. Um, you know, in in certainly the United States, and and yet, um, you know, here these children of hers didn't want it, and and you had the the first ones from her her first marriage, they were so old at the time when Mar a Lago was finished. I don't think that they really had that many memories of it, mm. but still um her daughter that she had with EF Hutton, um, she could have taken it, but I I don't know about you, but I I feel like there's not a lot of people that their children are really interested in taking their houses. You know, they have different interests, different social circles, yeah. so um, their own lives. Yeah. 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 Diff- different agendas. And so, um, Not only did they they not want it, but um, at least one of those daughters, you know, kind of at one time ridiculed the idea that anyone would want it.
0: So how many years passed before she decided to give the property to the National Park Service?
1: So that was probably, um, that was in uh, the late 1960s. And and leading up to that. The LBJ. Yeah, but even before that, she had agreed to give it to the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say, oh, Mar-a-Lago, you know, well, it, you know, Marjorie Meriwether Post wanted it to be a winter White House. Well, really, all along, she had wanted it to be a place of, of scholar and, and academic and learning. And, um, it was actually going to be called the, um, um, the Marjorie Meriwether Post, um, Center for Scholars at at one time, and um, everything was mapped out for it. And then Florida, um, as one newspaper columnist said, um, bungled the deal. So then, um, you know, using I'm sure her um, connections, um, you know, probably threaded with, um, a lot of campaign contributions. Um, she got, um, Lady Bird Johnson down there on, you know, what would become a historic visit. And, um, you know, Lady Bird Johnson, as I mentioned earlier, was enthralled with the place. And, and that led to under the LBJ administration.
0: With the Interior um, Secretary Stuart Udall.
1: Exactly. Mm. Uh, the Department of Interior. Um, I'm um, taking it in at that time. Um, so, you know, at that time, Marjorie Meriwether Post was, um, and I think she was an octogenarian at that time, later in life, and, and she died. Thinking that she had given Mar-a-Lago to the federal government, Mm -hmm. you know, that it would be forever saved and forever preserved. And she also died thinking that she had given her Washington, D.C. house, Hillwood, to the Smithsonian Institution. Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, um, she was wrong on both those counts.
0: She was a Democrat. Even though she was, she was very rich, right? Well, uh, right when
1: you're um uh, Joseph E. Davies, he was an FDR appointee, so um, so she was, and and she gave quite um, handsomely um, to um, you know what is now the the JFK um, the, the JFK not the museum, the center um, to see um, for the construction of that. But um, interestingly, um, when um, Richard Nixon was inaugurated, you know, she had, a you know, kind of a booth, um, you know, very near his. So, you know, she wasn't, she, you know, she could kind of play it, um, but both sides a little bit, but, um, you know, perhaps she didn't define herself, um, strictly as a Democrat, but we saw throughout her life that that's who she aligned herself with
0: more so. So I guess she would have been shocked to have seen, uh, the person who wound up in the place running for president as a Republican, but that's a whole other issue. Uh, why did the Park Service return it to the Post Foundation after only a year in 1980?
1: Well, actually, um, they actually had it for about 10 years, mm-hmm. and this is this is my favorite part of the the story, and it's um, actually the thing that that. Um, interested me in, in writing this book, that, that Mar-a-Lago had one time belonged to us, um, you know, belonged to the American public, and and how did that happen, and how was it undone? So, you know, some people will say, um, oh, it was too expensive. Not not a lot of people are even aware that this happened, but um, of, of those who are, they they tend to write out and say, oh, it was too pricey for the federal government to upkeep. But, but really, when you start peeling off off the layers and seeing what was happening at the time, and interviewing you know the few remaining people who could could speak about this, um, you then you start to see that um, it wasn't the cost that it was the people of Palm Beach. Now mm. now remember that you know they define themselves as being this exclusive, as they would call it, colony, and and they really didn't want a, a national park in their midst. Mm. There, there were plans for the the use of the park to be so discreet, you know just like maybe ten of those you know really small little shuttle vans a day you know coming down you don't even drive up south ocean boulevard to to get there you know you're just you know right off the right off the the bridge um and so they they had this all figured out but um the the lobby and the leadership of Palm Beach um they pressed. Um, the congressman, it was, um, Dan Micah, um, to, um, you know, try to, to get this divested. And, um, he, he tried for years to do it, um, ran headlong into, um, a California, a, a, just a, a, famously brash congressman from California, um, Phil Burton. And, um, and after several years, um, that, um, that Congressman Micah prevailed and um, Mar-a-Lago was really one of um, only like a, a, a few properties in the United States that had belonged to the National Park Service mm. and, and then ended up going private.
0: And Marjorie didn't want it to fall into the hands of developers who wanted to subdivide the property. But isn't that what happened to nearly all of Mar-a-Lago's neighboring estates?
1: Oh, it's so true. If you look at the aerials, um, from, you know, at the Library of Congress, you can see the aerials of Palm Beach, you know, from the 1910 era. Um, and then look at it now, like in the 1910s, it, it was just, it was green. It was, you know, palm trees. It was, you know, you know, there, there were a few estates, but now it's just, you know, kind of, you know, almost like wall to wall. You might call them mansionettes. Um, you know, it's, it's not cookie cutter and, and, you know, there's certainly a lot to be said for it, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's definitely lost, you know, what, what you once had.
0: Well, you lived in, in Florida. Are you nearby? Where is Winter Garden in relation to Mar-a-Lago?
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's about, it's a couple hours north of there, um, my um stepdaughter who um actually works um in dumbo um she she lived in palm beach before too so um I, I spent a a good bit of time down there and and just in um covering florida politics and florida real estate for a long time um you know i, I certainly you know you 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 go down to south florida because that's where you know the real real estate action is
0: and was uh Mar-a-Lago, and a something that was uh, of interest to everybody there. I mean, you've written an awful lot about real estate in in Florida and the weather, and government dis- misdeeds.
1: Yeah, I I would say it really wasn't so much on people's radar. And what I would be telling people, I you know, I'm writing a book about Mar-a-Lago. Granted, a lot of people who are here. You know, have not been here that long. You know, they're coming in from other places, but, um, you know, it, it really isn't on the radar of a lot of people. I think it's only been in the Trump presidency where it's really become, you know, part of our lexicon and, you know, a household name and, you know, constantly in the news for, you know, you know, during the, as they would call it, the, the winter White House hosting foreign diplomats or, um, you know um, questionable um, people from China coming in um, you know and you know then of course the famous um, FBI raid as as they
0: would call it and, and we'll, we'll we'll cover all of that yeah, in okay, the second okay. part of our show yeah yeah this is WBAI New York 99.5 FM streaming live at WBAI.org I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Mary C. Shanklin. If you sign up to become a member of WBAI during today's show with a contribution of $50 or more, you can receive a free copy of her book, the book we're discussing, American Castle, 100 Years of Mar-a-Lago. Uh, it, uh, to do that, you have to go online to give to WBAI.org. Or call 212-209-2950 during today's show, and we'll be happy to send you a copy. That's GIVE and the number 2, WBAI.org, or call 212-209-2950. But don't forget to make that $50 donation in the name of Leonard Lopate at Large. We thank you very much. And I also want to give special thanks to a listener, Cecilia Caruso of Manhattan, who... Um, Donated a $1,000 to WBAI in support of this show. Thank you so much, Cecilia. I really appreciate that. And we return now to Mary C. Shanklin, um, the book American Castle, 100 Years of Mar-a-Lago, published by Diversion Books. Okay, so now we get to Donald Trump. Uh, most people, if you say Mar-a-Lago, that's all they think of is Donald Trump. Despite the exactly. fact that it had this rich history before. But the, the mansion went up for sale a number of times and then sat barely used until Donald Trump purchased it in 1986.
1: That's pretty accurate. Um, It was so interesting that, um, you know, here you have these um, this kind of wealthy group of people in Palm Beach saying, oh, no, we don't want, you know, these um, shuttle vans bringing people in as a national park service. And then the people, there were two different buyers who came in before Donald Trump and, and, and one of them, both of them wanted to subdivide the property. Um, but, but one of them, he was, he was known for like these big bashes and friends with Tammy Wynette and mm. these big country music parties with six or 700 people. And, you know, compared to, you know, a benign, um, use as, as a, as a, a park. Um, you know, it was just, I'm sure the heads were spinning in Palm Beach. Did they want it
0: to happen? Did, did, who did, I'm did, sorry. Were they looking forward to that sale going through? No, oh. no. They They um, didn't want know, they, all these people coming into their area.
1: They didn't want the people coming into the area. Not only that, but then here you had, you know, what is pretty much that last estate that stretches um, from the sea to the lake. And so it was going to be on, on their heads, um, that they were going to be the ones to have seen that go, um, you know, and to, to see it be, um, chopped up the way that all the other property was. So, you know, so, you know, they had, they had two issues going on there, but both of those sales fell through. And so then you had, um, this New Yorker and his, um, Czechoslovakian, um, blonde wife um, roll into Palm Beach one day.
0: Was he already thought of as a member of the Republican Party at the time?
1: I don't think so. I think um, when you... Because I'm wondering
0: when, about the po- the politics of most of the residents of the area.
1: Yeah, I, I, I feel like on Palm Beach, on, on the island of Palm Beach, it is largely Republican, um, across the, the lake, um, the intercoastal waterway in West Palm Beach. Um, that's a, more of a Democratic holdout, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more, you know, what, what happened under the Trump ownership, but, um, you know, he, he did open it up to some extent. And, um, you know, as as we know, you know, that the Clintons would would go there for for weddings. And, um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't singularly a a Republican at at all at that time.
0: Didn't Trump inflate the property's value and get Chase Manhattan Bank to float 99.97 percent of the financing for the 10 million dollar purchase price? Yeah, he, he, he just put um, in three, $3,000 of his own money.
1: Right. And, and really, um, telling people that he paid cash for it. <laughs> um, when actuality, um, you know, it was, um, you know, he became over leveraged, you know, certainly not just on that, but, you know, at that time, you know, he had the casinos. He had that aviation company. Um, you know, he had that, that Trump yacht. Um, you know, he was just yeah, golf um, courses, golf courses, you know, really um, a, a bit of a, a house of, of cards. And, you know, the banks were making a, a lot of money from him, on him, you know, until he wasn't able to make, you know, what what were often interest only payments. And and then things
0: things got real. So when creditors called in two billion dollars in notes he developed it into a golf club, um,
1: right? And um, before, but even before he did that, um, because he didn't think of that right away, um, but he thought of doing the same thing. Uh such an unoriginal idea. The same thing to that property that had been done to all the other Palm Beach properties. And and let's just, you know, put in all these houses, all these, these mansions. Well, um, the town council of Palm Beach, <clears throat> they wouldn't allow that. So he had to come up with something else. And, um, an attorney of his came up with the idea of the club, which also was not an original idea because, um, you know, there were several other of uh, these exclusive clubs on Palm Beach, but he did make, um, a, an interesting play, um, that you have to give him credit for that he decided that it should be opened up. And at that time, um, people who were black, people who were Jewish, they weren't allowed into some of these other social clubs in Palm Beach. And so he was going to open this up in a way that, that would be more, shall we say, democratic.
0: Did he receive tax breaks as part of the deal to make it into a golf club? He,
1: um, he, he there, there were some tax breaks in there. Um, it was really, uh, what really happened was in order before he could do that, he, he had to sign a deal. The town, um, said you, we're not going to give you permission to open this as a club until you sign this easement with the National Trust for Historic Preservation, um, that, that, you know, basically controls anything that, that you would do with the property. And, and he knew. At the time that 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 at the second that he signed that the banks would all c- hmm. call the, the mortgages on it. And, um, you know, he he would be left with property that was worth far less because, you know, nobody could come in and, and really redevelop it. Um, you know, it would be like buying this incredible piece of property with handcuffs on so. You know, that's really kind of speaks more to the valuation piece that, um, you know, that, that's in the news right now and in, in the New York courts where he was testifying on that.
0: Was he already doing television shows at the time?
1: Oh, yeah. He was, um, he was already doing, um, you know, there was a period in there. I think it was between, um, Ivana and Marla Maples, um, when, when, or it might have been after Marla Maples, where you know he would bring in. I remember that television show, "Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous." Mm-hmm. Um, he would bring them in. Um, you know through the, um, you know kind of the disco parties at at um at at Mar-a-Lago, and then that of course you know so he 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 was grooming the media. I remember. Um, as a younger reporter in, in Jacksonville, Florida, I'm um, getting, um, a call in the newsroom from Donald Trump because, um, you know, he was courting this media, um, attention, um, to get us to come out and cover his yacht, hmm. um, um, go, going down to Palm Beach. And, and, you know, in the newsroom, we thought, well, who is this? Who, you know, what person of wealth wants to draw attention to themselves? And so all of that media attention, of course, then, um, you know, came into um, his show, The Apprentice, which um, launched um, several years into into his ownership of, of um, Mar-a-Lago.
0: Because when he was, uh, his casino empire was sliding into bankruptcy, didn't Trump, who was desperate to cover Mar-a-Lago's monthly $300,000 nut, renege on his assurance not to subdivide the estate? uh was that uh, did his neighbors take him to court to prevent that?
1: He at, at that time um you know it was a desperate time for him um when he he proposed that that subdivision i think it was called the mansions of maralago mm-hmm. um something like that and so he 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 did he didn't agree when he purchased that property in writing. He didn't agree in writing that he would keep the property whole. But, but it, it was the perception of the town leaders of, of Palm Beach. You know, he had he and Ivana hosted all of them, um, like they were just months into their ownership of Mar-a-Lago at the big preservation ball that they had at Mar-a-Lago. And everybody was patting each other on the back that here comes their hero. Here comes somebody who's going to not subdivide it and keep it in place. And then, um, as you say, you know, in a time of financial hardship, he reneges on that.
0: And didn't he then threaten to sell the estate to Reverend Some Young Moon's Unification (laughs) Church? Wow.
1: I think that was um, my agent's um, favorite sentence in the park. (laughs) It's um, such a a classic um, Donald Trump move, you know, that, you know, to just, you know, if if somebody is, is challenging, you know, your use of the property, well, you know, I'll show you how bad it can be. And um, you know, in Palm Beach, which is, you know, old money and and discretion, you know, I, I'm sure they would have rather had the National Park or perhaps even the, the country music concerts than um, having the Moonies move into the neighborhood.
0: My guest on today's Leonard Lopate at Large is Mary C. Shanklin. Her book, American Castle, 100 Years of Mar-a-Lago, published by Diversion Books, and as I said, it also includes some photographs, which are fascinating. This is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. So he was having all sorts of problems financing it, and he eventually resolved it by turning mar lago into a for-profit club. And that was okay with the neighbors? Well,
1: at that time, um, the, the other thing that you have to take in mind Is that, um, really about adjacent to Mar-a-Lago is the Palm Beach, um, tennis club, bath and tennis club. And so as, as I'm sure you know, when you have, you know, these adjoining uses, it's a little bit harder to argue against, um, you know, that this club permission when it sits right next to Mm. another club. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they did try to, um, put some, um, some controls and restraints on it. You know, they tried to control, you know, the, the amount of traffic that would be going to it. Um, they, they, um, in, in the easement that I, I mentioned, um, they prescribed that, um, a hundred people a year who would not otherwise be able to go, that they could visit the grounds. That never happened. Um, every year there was supposed to be a Mar-a-Lago day where you could have 10 people, um, you know, perhaps scholars, perhaps little children who would not otherwise be able to see it. They would get to come. Um, you know, at one time, um, you know, the Trump, um, ownership group, they wanted to build on, to expand with a dining room. Well, they couldn't do that. They had to do, um, you know, more of like a semi-permanent structure, um, than a permanent one. So, um, there, there were, there were a lot of, um, Controls and constraints that, you know, he had to live under. And, you know, he certainly didn't adhere to, to a lot of them.
0: And years later, when it became Trump's winter White House, didn't Mar-a-Lago finally become very profitable?
1: Oh, my god! Suddenly everybody um, wanted
0: to join the club.
1: Right. To have access um, to you know the 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 person who you know could you know really sway public policy federal public policy um, federal who's over all of those federal contracts um, you know that came at, at a premium you know that. You know, that was, you know, that's worth a quarter of a million dollar ticket. But, you know, it didn't at all end there that, you know, where Marjorie Merriweather Post had been known for opening up Mar-a-Lago for, um, hosting these, these groups and, you know, the Red Cross ball and, and what have you. Um, you know, and under, under the, the Trump ownership, um, you know, it was high stakes for um nonprofits to to use that for events you know the you know using it as a wedding venue that that's another mm-hmm. cash cow so I, I will see say the the upkeep and maintenance um you know is is you know pretty extraordinary and when I went through a, a few years ago um it looked in impeccable condition but um by by no mistake it's um you know it it brings in a a lot of revenue you know what that would mm-hmm. ever look like eventually um you know that's that's another question
0: well club membership dues were doubled and weren't there fees for guests to socialize with the president? Possibly even eavesdrop on discussions of national security? He allowed that.
1: Yeah, I, I think um, you know, getting your photo done. Um, you know, that the other thing. You know, you you just have to think of it about um, you know when when you have a place and it has this kind of celebrity owner and. As we know, a lot of celebrities, you know, they're, you know, want to kind of get away from the limelight, but he really made sure that the message was clear that if you um, become a member, if you're going there, if you're dining, um, you know, that he'll come in, he'll pat you on the back. Um, you know, you can, um, oh, you're the one who just, um, contributed, hmm. um, you know, a hundred thousand dollars to the campaign. Well, let's have a photo and, Um, You know, I I don't know the official charges for for everything and and the back and forth, but um, it was unfettered access.
0: There are a lot of famous people in the story you tell here. You mentioned some of them, the Kennedys, Lady Bird Johnson, Richard Nixon, Michael Jackson, Lisa Marie (laughs) Presley, and of course, Donald Trump. Um, was, Was it still a magnet for people?
1: Oh, yeah, despite its think, ups
0: and downs
1: um yeah i I don't think it's um quite what it uh um, you know the the magnet that it happened we we'll, we'll say it's a magnet for select people, um you know, I think it was on the night of um Donald Trump's first indictment. Um, you know, there, you know, on, on like a, a television interview, um, you know, is, is Matt Gates um, talking about, you know, how many times he turns off the lights at Mar-a-Lago. And, uh, you know, of course, he's,
0: um, I wouldn't let him turn for, off the lights in my apartment.
1: <laughs> yeah. Fam- famous for, um, you know, the whole congressional leadership uh, upheaval. So, um, you know, there, there, are, you, you don't see, you know, quite the celebrities. I mean, you know, it, it had hosted, um, royalty at one time. Now, should, um, Donald Trump prevail and become president again, um, you know, I, I feel like it's safe to say that, you know, we, we could see a continuation of what happened during his previous administration with, you know, heads of state coming through there and, Um, But, you know, the celebrity cachet, I'm not so sure.
0: Well, you conclude your book with the FBI's raid on August 8th, 2022 to retrieve classified documents from the club. And despite all of the interesting stuff we've discussed, didn't that cement Mar-a-Lago's place in American history?
1: absolutely I, I think if um serving as um you know the unofficial winter white house didn't um certainly being um at that time the first um, post presidential resident um you know really you know i think it's safe to say raided um by by the fbi um you know that and and then you know the documents that you know, there had been negotiations and there was certainly an awareness there that, um, that, you know, that they, they belonged to, to the federal government and, um, they, they weren't being stored correctly and, um, just almost kind of like a, a cavalier attitude uh, about it. But, um, yeah, I, I will tell you, um, when the, the day of the raid, um, you know, a lot of my friends knew that I'd been, you know, working on this book for, for years. And, and my phone was ringing off the hook, like, when are you going to get that done?
0: Because yeah, what everybody... a great final chapter.
1: <laughs> right, right,
0: yeah. Well, actually, I would assume that if you say Mar-a-Lago to most people, all they think about is Donald Trump. They don't realize all of these other things happened. And yes. fascinating story before, including people we kind of know about Separate from Mar-a-Lago.
1: Right, right. Um, do you um remember BB Rebozo? And mm. you know, there's that um chapter in the book when um Richard Nixon um brought B.B. Rebozo up there. Um, you know, to just, you know, look at, you know, this kind of shuttered up um piece of, of the National Park Service. And um, you know, it, it was it was a cast of characters that um, you know, it was kind of famous and um, you know, not, not because a president lived there, but because, um, you know, it, it was, it was a place of note. But I, I think the other thing that's interesting is that when Donald and uh, Ivana Trump purchased it, they, they were able to put on the mantle of Marjorie Merriweather Post mm-hmm. and, and you cannot go in tomorrow Lago without looking regal. And if you're using that as a background for your campaign fundraisers and, you know, you, you know, the media spotlight, um, you know, it, it really, um, denotes presidential in a way that I feel like we haven't seen with, you know, we, we never saw that with, um, the Bushes or Obama mm-hmm. or, um, or, um, the Clintons, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, you know, they never staged themselves from their personal residence. So, you know, he, he's managed to even, you know, leverage it in from that extent.
0: We have just a minute left. Is there anything you want to add?
1: Oh, you know, I'm um, not really, but I I would, I would I do have this, you know, kind of I know it will never happen, but I wonder what does happen at the end of the day? Yeah. What does happen to this property when um, you know, maybe Donald Trump isn't there anymore? And I I would just like to leave people with with that thought and and that question.
0: And my great thanks to you, Mary C. Shanklin. Her book, American Castle, 100 Years of Mar-a-Lago. It's published by Diversion Books. Uh, I hope you have great success with this because it's a fascinating story. Right, of a
1: place that we hear about every day.
0: Yeah, but know so little about. Now I know a lot more, and I'm going to be obnoxious when the topic comes up because I'll know all these details. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'm very impressed how how studied you are already.
0: Thank you again. Thank you, Leonard. My pleasure. And that brings us to the end of our show. My great thanks to Kazai Glow, our executive producer, and to Reggie Johnson, our audio engineer, for all the important work that they do throughout the week. If you'd like to... To hear a few past shows, go to WBAI.org. And if you'd like to write to me, my email address is LeonardLopate at WBAI.org. Before I sign off today, I need to ask you to support WBAI to keep this station coming to you. And the show coming to you. Uh, We're going through a really rough time economically in this country. And BAI has been hit hard as the only station in our area that depends 100% on listener support. So we're asking all of our listeners who have the means to do so, to make a contribution at whatever level they're comfortable with by calling 212 209-2950 209-2950 or by going online to give to WBAI.org right now. That's 212-209-2950 or give and the number two WBAI.org because we need your help to keep bringing this unique in-depth content information you usually don't get anywhere else. And as I mentioned earlier, anyone who makes a contribution of $50 or more in the name of London Though Paid at Large right now, can receive a copy of the book we've been discussing American Castle by Mary C Shanklin. So why not make that call right now and support us 212-209-2950 or go online to give 2wbai.org. And you might also consider becoming a sustaining member what we call a BAI buddy for 5 10 15 20 25 for as long as you wish and it allows us to plan for the future and so we'll say thank you with a BAI tope to anyone who signs up to become a BAI buddy for $10 a month or more. But either way, I hope you'll call right now because BAI, as I said, relies 100% on listed donations. We don't take ads or foundation grants, and that allows us to be free speech radio. Uh, don't forget to make that tax-deductible contribution in the name of Leonard Logan at large. And from all of our, us at the station, thank you so much. Uh And uh, you might also remind listeners, your, your friends, that we need that support as well. Well, we thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend.